Hello gang and welcome back. This is Frivolous Gravitas where we are coming at you talking about skepticism. Myself, Chris Driver, with my beloved co-host Jordan Roy. In the first part, uh, before our halftime repose, we were discussing skepticism on um, the useful methods to it. So the scientific method, obviously, but also in the interest of self-awareness and um, uh, self uh what do you call that? Betterment, I guess. Personal betterment. betterment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More effective uh, use of our time. On yeah. <laughs> An effective method of thinking, basically. And not just as a protective mechanism from manipulation of others, but also as a, um, a way of challenging ourselves to become more adept thinkers and astute listeners. So we, uh, we sort of covered media and um a little bit of racism and you know science thrown in there but um predominantly i think we discussed sort of how it's misplaced or misused um random skepticism just for the sake of the challenge or for decimating a personal uh or a person as opposed to their argument so when used to weaponize uh thought and ideas so from there, we're going to take it to uh, to Jordan. He had some thoughts on China before I so rudely interrupted him. So uh, we'll start with politics. Yeah. So we had, um, <clears throat> I don't know, we, uh, all, we are humans, so we do need to replenish our tea reserves and then uh, expel the um, used tea uh, every once in a while. So mm, Waste management. Yes, <laughs> it is the workflow of our bodies, which I am, this is a, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's a terrible, terrible metaphor. All right. So, um, <clears throat> we were getting into, well, I was going to get into China because I, I, I was talking earlier about how our society almost, uh, when I, when we opened the last part, we were talking about how our society almost, uh, has a obsessive use of uh skepticism it is ingrained in our culture to a such an extent that uh it's a tool that we all have and we all can use because we're free citizens um and who are allowed to just question things and are encouraged to question things uh especially when it's uncomfortable to do so uh and then we have examples of the opposite though because we have um when we look at media from places like say something like china we see a lot of um the most noble thing you can do is not ask questions and conform to what great leader says it's like oh boy that sounds fun but that doesn't really allow you for very much uh, it doesn't really allow you, so if there's a problem, then someone else has to figure it out. But at the same time, it doesn't really allow you for mu very much growth either because where are you going to grow if you're not skeptical of anything? Well, I'll just go ask what I need to do, where I need to be, where I, who I need to become because I am useful to the system and not to myself. Uh, and I can't be skeptical of in my own way because in a totalitarian regime because the individual is a piece of a whole rather than the individual being a community, uh, a part of a community. Um, you know, individual as part of a group, rather individual as a piece of the group, I guess. Um, 
And the skepticism doesn't serve you very well in such a system. You ask a question, you get sent into Siberia uh, or into the Eastern Front. Uh, and this is a, um, I guess it would be just a dearth of uh, political skepticism, which uh, we almost play with in our society. Um, uh, North America here, um, <clears throat> we almost play with too blithely almost, and we don't, um, we almost use it too much, uh, like we were talking about, because uh, all over here, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, I'm just saying we should use it more effectively, because, uh, oh, so-and-so said this, oh, skepticism, wait, 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 let's hear what they have to say. But there is a trend in certain societies and especially a lot of older societies to feudal societies where if you're skeptical of the king then you must be skeptical of god or you must be skeptical of uh you know the established order you're rocking the boat stop rocking the boat um or it's unpatriotic or it's sedition or yeah i remember there's a few i don't remember who wrote this i don't know my source i'm sorry uh, <laughs> go look it up but um there's always that question as to why uh innovation and the industrial revolution never happened in uh ancient rome when they had the materials they had the they definitely had the expertise they just never used it but the roman empire was not a innovative body because whenever um only a few people were free uh and those that were had were enforcing monopolies on areas and uh markets and stuff like that so if anyone came out like if you are working in a uh as an olive grower or an olive presser you know having even olive area just like a lot of romans did and you find a better way to do an olive press and then you start making more olives well the your competition instead of innovating to become more competitive will become competitive with a sword and uh that was something that would it wasn't it wasn't illegal but um the justice system there didn't have any protections for uh that kind of business um and so you see the innovation gets stifled in such ways um, that it isn't allowed to the, the, the skeptical body. How can I do this differently? What if we did this like this? Do we really need to? Um, uh, do we really need to abide by the tenets of the um, the emperor? Now, if I continue in the vein of ancient Rome, you had a system which actually did allow for such skepticism until the uh until about the second century bc where the gracchi brothers were you know being skeptical we need uh we need more grain for the poor we need this the system needs to be changed in such a way that it allows for more uh um it allows for uh, the betterment of those, the poor people. These were tribunes, the representatives of the, uh, the poor in ancient Rome. So they started, you know, rabble rousing, started being publicly skeptical of the institutions that were, that Rome was founded on. Not, well, not founded on, but the institutions as they were, the Senate and the, um, 
and the, uh, I guess what we now call the conservative, those of conservative sway. And they got, uh, they got killed for it in succession, both of the brothers, uh, to like make a long story short. So once you kill those that are saying, uh, that are using public skepticism to bring up actual, um, uh, grievances, then the skepticism in itself becomes effectively, uh, outlawed. It becomes something that's not worth doing. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll just do what we know. And so you don't get new oil presses. You don't get more effective, um, uh, windmills, or you don't get more effective canals. You don't get more effective engines. Steam engines don't get invented. Uh, better, um, better ways of organizing, um, humanity. You don't get people like John Locke saying, what if we did things a bit different? And then you don't get people after him saying, okay, yeah, but what if we did that without God? And then you get people after that going, okay, what if we cut off your head? <laughs> and without asking, so you read someone in the political sphere that is asking a question, why aren't the poor being fed? Why can the crown just take away my property? And then you get, when you silence that sort of skepticism, what happens is you end up with only totalizing rhetoric left. So, and I'm, I'm intentionally not bringing this into the modern period because I'm, I have a lot of examples from not. And the thing that you get is you get a, someone like Thomas Paine and the uh other and some of the um what do you call them the uh, uh french revolutionaries well to have a more equitable society we need to kill the rich literally um off with their heads we need to set up a freer society based on science and nobody was going around questioning the science in fact if anyone went around and questioning the science of the new system and they were using this word very uh liberally um, and without any definition, they're just saying it's scientific. We have this new science that we have, and it was like 50 years old. And anyone who questioned it, anyone who was skeptical, was just putting the line and off with their head. At the same time, on the other side of the canal, you get a counter uh, thing where anybody who shows re revolutionary rhetoric gets, it wasn't as intrinsically bad, but they were treated in a very similar totalizing way. Anyone who's a Jacobin, just get rid of them. Don't even deal with that. And the French Revolution was based on legitimate grievances, legitimate skepticisms over the political uh, construction of the time. And it ended up doing exactly the opposite. It ended up making it a less, uh, it's just not free in a different way, essentially. Um, you weren't, they just made another system that was unable to provide food, unable to provide uh, wealth, and unable to provide a route for skepticism. This all came apart later on with the introduction of the, in the same time period and later, with the salon and the coffee houses, where people were allowed to get together and essentially just talk. And when people talk, they complain. 
we've known people. And when they complain, this is nascent skepticism. They want to explain, why is my life so hard in this thing? Well, what can we do to change it? I want things to be better. People naturally do this. And so a lot of places like Turkey straight up outlawed coffee because they didn't want people talking and they didn't want people innovating and they didn't want people being skeptical. So you see this more and more and more and it starts, we start getting a more and more free society, civil rights and whatnot, up until the 60s when we were allowed to be skeptical about everything. And I'm not decrying this, but nowadays we have a political situation where we're almost using skepticism as a way to not be skeptical uh, with the advent of the internet. And we have all these wonderful things where it's a global coffee house. We can go to the, the, the proverbial uh, street corner, meet with people who we like to talk to and complain about stuff like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And you can go into the comments and it isn't me just talking. You can talk to me and I'll, we can continue this. This is a conversation. Um, and we can bring up skepticism and bring up our grievances and ask these questions that need to be asked in order for us to go forward. And that's the discussion. When you push the discussion down, then you don't, things cannot get better. With a skepticism on a political sphere is necessary for the, it's um, necessary for its proper functioning because you, without it, you end up with totalizing rhetoric this side good, that side bad. And once you see that, that's a, that's a good sign that any sort of skepticism can, will be, you know, shoved off to the side. And that skepticism that I'm, luckily, what we have here is we have a forum where we can be openly skeptic, skeptical and, well, they can demonetize us while we're not monetized. Well, they can, they can, they can censor it for using inappropriate words. Uh, there's one channel I saw that has to censor every word that YouTube finds problematic, which is a negation of skepticism. He's like not allowed to be skeptical of this. And he can't say words like, um, ideology and, uh, massacre and, uh, Stalin. Yeah. So this is a pressure from outside that we're seeing. And I don't want to be a conspiratorial thinker, but if I was another country, I'd be doing it to us. (laughs) Um, And you get pressure on the companies from uh, another global business partner, legitimate global business partner, even though we don't like them. Um, who is telling us that we need to stop our skepticism because our skepticism is going to turn on them and they don't like how we're talking about our manufacturers all going over there and they don't like how we're talking about you know re-upping american and canadian manufacturing and you know building our own stuff and uh figuring out how to bring the system into the you know modern modern age and get past all this identitarian and political nonsense that is just small peanuts in the grand sense. And to be skeptical means to try and move forward because you're innately trying to mull over a problem and find something that works better. And even things we don't know are problems too. Like I think one of the benefits to skepticism is you find a problem where it was like hidden before, 
where my you didn't hurts. realize that it, it hurt? was an issue. You have cancer in your foot. Oh boy. Let's yeah. go get some skepticism in on that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the perfect analog for that is like the, uh, the American government when they were trying to stop uh, COVID tests because yeah. they didn't want to know about the results. Like that's a perfect emblem of the ignorance. And I don't mean that as like a slur or a slander against like people. I mean, it's literally ignorant. It's not knowing of something. Yeah. And, and there was, they were looking for that bliss in ignorance in the sense that, or well, if it, the only reason our numbers are so high and we look bad is because we're testing so many more people and no, it means that you have that many cases. That's what the testing is for. <laughs> you want to know, and be aware of the actual numbers. You don't want just low numbers for the sake of appearances or optics. Well, for this week, we need low numbers. This week, we need high numbers. And that's that Orwellian, uh, like, double speak that. Uh, yeah. And well, and it's the same thing in Europe. But it feeds you get back that. onto the people. That's the funny thing, because the feedback loop to it is people that hear the numbers every day yeah. aren't questioning the numbers, how they're calculated, how they're. You know, so there's there's skeptics out there, and I use air quotes because they're saying, "Oh, well, these people would have died anywhere anyway because they had pre-existing conditions." Yeah. Rather than looking up the formula to figure out how they were factoring in people with pre-existing conditions, they automatically washed their hands of thought and said, "Nope, these numbers are just wrong." My one but of my favorite examples of that. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite examples, and this is a uh, this is kind of. Um, even to bring it up is kind of hot water because uh, in Germany, they don't publish the ethnicity of criminals. Why? Because it would make people racist. Yeah. It's like, wait, <laughs> hold on a second. But they're actually doing the crimes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's an issue there. There's something that needs to be dealt with. Some either like maybe immigrants are not being inducted properly or you don't have a very good selection process uh of letting people in or, or you're maybe not, your education system's failing your immigrants like, like <laughs> that should be a problem of the government to look after the people too like, people think stupid things it's probably got something to do with the government instead of being like well we don't want to be racist or not just we're just not we're going to put it in the corner and yeah. then we're not going to deal with it because dealing with it would be racist if we if we had a racial policy then that could be we could turn into nazis it's like you're literally putting a program to help a certain group of people like, Meanwhile, france did the exact opposite right where they started trying to ban um like uh, uh religious emblems and scarves yeah. in school and French like after the always... charlie hebdo thing like the france went to the actual opposite end and said muslims need to integrate and you're like whoa whoa, whoa. that's not free <laughs> you yeah. can't say that and well, that was, that was, but they're discouraging the skepticism, right? Where people can't accept the fact that some people are going to believe in things that you don't believe in. It doesn't mean you can't live in a civil society beside them. It doesn't mean just, you know, you got to set up laws that restrict the rights and freedoms of people of a certain belief. Cause that literally is prejudice. Could you imagine? The goal is to alleviate prejudice. That's not functioning. Could you imagine a world where, or like even you're, you're, you live in Manitoba and I say, okay, I take over, I don't know, uh, there's a whole bunch of me, just like 3 million Jordan. And we all think the same. We all look the same. We all act the same. We're all the same. And you have to live beside me. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine what a 
boring and obnoxious country it would be to have 3 million Jordans just doing Jordan things and only thinking Jordan thoughts and, and, and just going around thinking just in this way. It would be the most obnoxious society in the, on the planet. <laughs> um, not just because it's me, but also because no, it's but anybody, us. yeah, yeah, anybody. It would be like anybody who thinks that oh, if everyone was more like me, it's like take a second to think about that. Just yeah. take a second to imagine an actual society where everyone thinks exactly like you. That means invention stops unless you're you invent everything mm -hmm. because everybody is like you. Innovation stops. Jokes aren't funny. Yeah, <laughs> you you don't learn anything. You don't get better as a people, and you don't organize yourselves because you're all in it for the same goal and you're all competing for the same rewards right and nobody, like it, it's actually dysfunctional it can't function right and nobody in this country would eat like cauliflower ever <laughs> there would be no cheese bread in my entire country what a dis what a dismal dystopia that would be i don't even like it but i know people love it so <laughs> there would and, be none <laughs> and for someone to speak out, it's like, dude, you're part of a collective. What do you have to be like? We're all sitting here in peaceful coexistence. It's like, yeah, but are we like, and that's why I don't get why people bite their tongue. Cause like, to me, that's the greatest contribution you can give to your fellow man in, in civil society is your opinion. Right. That's the most valuable resource we have as a collective is a group of people thinking individually for the group's greater good. That, that's what organization means. That, that's exactly how civil, civilized society works. That's why it's productive. Right. But to not be able to question things like capitalism just because, well, look how great capitalism is. There's no way that socialism could possibly work because it never has. That type of thinking means that you can't think beyond what already exists. Yeah. Yeah. Laws written were once written, but the people who wrote them must be deified because nobody else can ever write a law after that. No. We can't fathom a new law because it's not already written in law because we're so hell-bent on this precedent. Yeah. Well, like, Canada is kind of a weird case because our constitution is – I did a bit of studying and it's just like there is no end to our constitution. I was like, oh, man, I cannot. But the American <laughs> one is really interesting because they realized that they were stupid. And they realize that we're going to be stupid. So here's how you change it. And here's why it's difficult. And it's just like, that is some, that's some big Bane move because it's allowing for a skepticism and it's allowing for discussion. And But banning it, thought in a university isn't conducive to further thought. No. Like, things like that are directly diametrically opposed. They're, 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 they're not just counterproductive, they're anti-productive. Right. And the thing is, is that we can't look to the American founding fathers as, and if you're American, there's lots of Americans, more Americans than Canadian. That's why I'm talking about them. Mm. Uh, we can't just look to them as like, they knew what was going on. It's like, no, they literally didn't. And they knew that this will help with some of the more blatant stupidities that humanity shows. But if we get too stupid, there's nothing that this document's going to do for you. Um, you have to try to not be as stupid as possible. This yeah. will help if you guys put effort in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guide. A guide. It's, it's not it's, doctrine it's a, written in stone tablets it, by a burning bush on the top of a mountain from a tribe of people wandering in the desert. 
It's just a guide. And it's there so that you don't fall too far off the wagon. Well, and that it's was valuable. It's open to be amended. And that's why the 30s, though yeah. well, the 30s was really interesting because the, um, well, all that spending on war didn't help. But, uh, uh, which is strange because I advocate more spending. Anyway, <laughs> but um, all that spending on World War One and didn't help the economy um, for reasons we've gone into before. Bullets don't provide value. Um, but at the same time... Well, it did get women in the workforce. Did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before then. It did... Do there, yeah, there are very, there, very. <laughs> I just picked up like the one fruit I could find. Uh, suffragettes in Canada got a lot of yeah. gained a lot of ground anyway. But, um, the 30s happened, and everyone's like, capitalism's a lie. And the communists are like, see, we told you, which was <laughs> honestly, they, they couldn't predict the future, they couldn't, um, they didn't know, uh, how or what was going on, just kind of like, uh, because the economy is difficult and there was a lot of mistakes yeah, made all at once and so they well, the thing was is that a, a lot of the countries that got out of it um that were able to deal with it they dealt with it in two ways well three ways but the third way you're not going to like um the the first way was let's just spend some money and see what happens and you get a uh, keynesian economics comes out of that but at the same time you have a skepticism of the system that allowed it to evolve allowed it to get out now hitler kind of helped but um which is the other way the hitler way the and the mussolini way which is look we got out of the system and you lie about it <laughs> um and they, 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 the whole look, the clocks, the, the trains are running on time because we changed the clocks. Um, that's what the Italy and Germany did. And they actually, their economy, the German economy was on slow track to get back on track in the 30s. The 30s hit it. And uh, Hitler did not actually make things any better. Um, and um, I like that example you used, though, because Keynes wrote a really interesting perspective on war reparations. I don't know if you read that. I might have. It would, might, it would have been like seven years ago. You wrote this big long thing about how unfair it was and how um, oh, um, useless yeah. it was for, I can't remember what it was called now. It was the, uh, I have it right. Where is it? But it was on, it was on the, uh, the agreements made for reparations after, after Germany lost the war. And they were saying like what they expected Germany to pay out in return for the for the damage caused by the wars was just grossly oh. um yeah so it is the economic here hold on let me grab it yeah yeah, yeah. this is why i have a library <laughs> <laughs> all right okay okay so it's probably this one uh the that's end. the one economic consequences of peace that's yep. the one <laughs> so yeah but it's a perfectly good example though because when you use the keynesian way of all push for all capitalism and then there's the the communism way and then there's the, well, the pure fascism way the fascism way the those, communism way right. is the communism way ended up being well we're gonna lie about it but not very well we're just gonna any skepticism is encounter that we encounter actually you know what instead of encountering skepticism what we're going to do is we're going to preempt skepticism mm -hmm. and just send everyone out into the thing enslave literally enslave half our population and then we're just going to suffer through it <laughs> it's literally the 
we can't all starve uh, way of doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's that's not that's the third way I, I mentioned you weren't going to like. Um, and the reparations um, from Versailles definitely drove, they didn't help uh, Germany. Now, in Germany's, modern Germany's, um, to their credit, they actually did finish paying off their World War I reparation debt. Um, yeah, and now they're supporting the euro. Like, it's just so deliciously ironic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're the ones bailing out Portugal and Greece and, and Spain and you know all these other countries that had every opportunity that they didn't have. <laughs> yeah. And these I, are from people who are working who weren't even part of the war that are paying for it. Right. Well, people the Marsh- who weren't even born at the time of the German wars the, had to pay back all that debt. Yeah, and... It's interesting because after World War II, I'm just going to check my source here. Uh, that yeah, quickly, the, the comment that I wanted to make on that, though, was that none of those those um, perspectives were achieved the goals that they set out to achieve because right. it takes skepticism to find the good and the bad from all of our systems. Right. It's not just socialism. It's not just capitalism. And it's not just fascism. Right. There are little bits of all three that are really handy for um, the most productive economy and society that we can build. I think that's crucial. Skepticism is what helps us find that. Right. And um, I think that leads us into our next part. Oh, is the Marshall Plan that I was going to say, because they all did actually get rebuilding money after World War II. But um, it's how they what they did with it that made the difference. Um, and... I think that brings us into the next part that's definitely, if we didn't make any, if, if we still had friends after the first half of this discussion, we're definitely going to uh, get rid of all the other ones, uh, which is religious skepticism, which is a, it's like a twin brother to the political skepticism we were talking about, but it's a definitely a different animal because with politics, you're dealing with a skepticism that provides a conversation, like an ongoing conversation that um, affects society and hopefully changes it for the better. And if you stifle it, society's going to go and do some gosh darn distasteful things. But religious skepticism is a different animal, I would say, because religion is dealing with the, um, the, the, the transcendent parts of our reality, the, the nuministic experience that we can't explain. Um, now, when I say numinous, I, I guess you could say something like sublime. You know, when you stand in front of a mountain and you just feel that undescribable feeling, that's the numinous, that awe that you get, that um, it's well documented by Carl Sagan in his book, Contact. But essentially, you look out into space, you feel small, you encounter infinity, and there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. It's just, oh, and that feeling of, some call it the universe, that feeling of God, that feeling of divine presence, that feeling of spiritual, uh, like the native, uh, the indigenous people of Canada, they would say that, you know, you walk into an area and there's a spirit here. That feeling is the numinous. Um, And we felt it. Um, whenever you stop and go, wow, for no other reason, for no selfish reason to be like, look, I'm enjoying nature. It's like, no, no. When you stop and it overwhelms everything you are and you have to engage it, that presence of the numinous. Now, this is 
uh, if you watch this one um, kind of pirate Sapolsky lecture where he goes into the biology of uh, religion, but that encounter with this either an internal uh, metaphysical presence or an external metaphysics, so this thing that allows us, religion is something we've always had, but because it's something you inherently can't explain and is beyond understanding, whether it be God, gods, spirits, some kind of you know temporal forces, the uh, ancient ones underneath the sea, um, whatever it is, aliens in orbit, who cares? This religious aspect to it defies skepticism to some extent because it allows you to say, well, that's the way it is prove it <laughs> mm -hmm. and um yeah I think, I think with religion with religion it's um the the danger in it is there are leaders to religious belief mm -hmm. and those leaders aren't behold uh to reason or rationale all they have to do is tell you what's true or not yeah there, there's no accountability from them to, to steer you in the right direction or to not mislead people or to not uh, misinterpret things. And I'm not saying that religious leaders are devious by nature or what they're doing is sinister in any way, shape, or form. I think all religious people, 99% of religious leaders and congregation leaders and priests and all that, I think they all mean well. And I think they all believe that they're doing the right work. But where I, I take umbrage at their, their philosophy and doctrine and teaching is when they deny the skeptic's view. Cause I don't think it's necessary. Like it, it, religion isn't predicated like God and, and everything created physics. So even if you want to say that God is supernatural and can bend and twist physics and make miracles happen, that doesn't matter one iota whether or not there's proof of it like their their faith seems uh they've taken up some kind of um like a threat to their faith mm. by being skeptical and i don't think there is any threat to faith by skepticism because faith is like by definition just mm. questions faith like, manages it, it doesn't it doesn't withdraw any um any meaning from testaments right the so. only difference is the the literal translations that they're trying to push to fulfill their agenda or to, to recruit people to their congregation or in the worst possible case scenarios when they're trying to rally people behind political motivations like the evangelicals or isis and things like that where they actually do cause harm with it the vast majority of people aren't out to hurt other people with their religion no. The vast majority of them want to do well, but they're coerced through their faith and by their faith because they're not allowed to be skeptical or because they were taught not to be skeptical. And I think right. the danger in it is accepting the lack of skepticism as part of the faith when it has no place in faith whatsoever. Well, I keep There's thinking. no reason you can't question God. If he's all-knowing and all-powerful and omnipotent, your questions are insignificant to God. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah. But like if what you believe is true that you know Jesus is the son of God and came down and got crucified for your sins it doesn't matter whether he literally physically rose from the dead and pushed over a boulder and walked away. Yeah, and even like it's a 2000-year-old story but at the same time it's a 2000-year-old story. 
it could be true after a fashion and we just don't have any idea they sent some weird stuff we interpreted it in a weird way wrote it down in a stupid manner and then um but the thing is that you bring but up it doesn't change the faith it doesn't change the religion no. at all that's so, the thing but the thing is is that something like the council of nikea where um nicaea if you want to use the modern nice. latin um uh where you where they codified this is what catholics believe mm -hmm. and then for like a thousand years um all the catholics had to conform into a uh uh static doctrine which wasn't static at all kind of undermining themselves but then you mentioned that individual uh religion now this is kind of where i have a lot of respect for religion and religious people was that you have these people who have these beliefs they read these stories they look to it for guidance and there is guidance there and it helps them make good decisions and be moral and takes them through the harder decisions in a good way in the same time you have um the evangelist versus the local priest and the local priest isn't someone who's like i'm gonna tell you the word of god the priest the local priest is the guy who assumes you already know the word of god come on on sunday and we'll talk about it a bit more but he goes around and he's a community anchor he goes around and he is part of a and someone who goes and strengthens the community using his faith as a very um uh a very uh, like a, a a piece of like a strength that he can rely on and someone to talk to someone who can bring the community together and someone who can help the individuals and sit there and talk and forgive and provide and be what he needs to be for the people of his community because it serves a very uh good religion has served a lot of beneficial uh stuff when it allows you to sit there and talk um and i think that's the ideal form of the individual religious leader is the community uh almost like a proto therapist yeah and it's <laughs> and a unifying community too like you can travel is. to another country you've never been in with a language you don't speak and clothes that you don't understand but you can go to your church in another country and people will welcome you and you'll understand them and you'll you'll be familiar with the songs they sing that like or even if you go to like say you know you find yourself in india and you have no idea what's going on and you find yourself in a hindu temple and you say okay this is so different but i get this like mm -hmm. this is familiar to me it, all the symbols all the rituals everything's different even the language is different but this is a place uh, this is a sanctuary and it should be and so you can go in there and be like no i don't speak the language i know you are a person of faith and of you know uh, religious morals and you can go and be like upon the you know faith of your gods i ask for you know it, but you don't ask it like that you yeah. you say i'm in need of help you are a pillar of this area can i trust on your help and they'll be like my english sucks but yeah i'll try <laughs> yeah. it's india so they'll probably speak a bit and that's 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 the positive aspect of it and then you mentioned it very you, you went through it very well um how you can form a 
metaphysical you know structure of how this and everyone's in their place and you know everyone has to believe this because this and that and it's just there's no leeway and if you don't do what this or that says then you know get out of here and there's but i've seen a lot of like you go to a theology class people are debating what's mentioned here in the bible or in this uh veda or in this uh koan or whatever people just sit there and they've always debated and they've been skeptical and they've talked about what these ideas actually mean because these ideas are so uh some of them are so complex and so vague and it's the only way to get them down onto paper is to be vague about it like this is kind of what i'm thinking said the guy four thousand years ago when they first thought up something and, and now that's he, also the beauty in it too right, right. Like, so it's the poetry of the language they had to try to use to describe things they didn't have words for right i think that's amazing well and we still have to do that because describe that feeling you get when you stand at the base of a mountain and look at it it's like ah uh, i need poetry for this mm -hmm. um and you put it down and you're like that's god or that's a earth spirit or whatever or Tao, or whatever when, when you rely on that and you don't i think the problem comes in when you don't allow yourself you you stop you look into a telescope and you go, well, that's just God. And you don't allow yourself to encounter more of that, I don't know, metaphysical mystery, that numinous. You say, no, I've got it. Everything now fits into this. Or even better, like, I now know how little I understand it. Right. That awareness and awakening of lack of knowledge is just as important and and partial to skepticism as actually understanding or believing you know things to be true right no, like being cognizant of what you don't know is knowledge mm -hmm. like it's, it's it's the only way you can start building wisdom and yeah. the because i've seen so many people they'll um start thinking that you know they know everything so it's like oh i've got all the answers and i've met i i have a number of people like this in my life uh i don't think they're gonna get this far in watching uh don't make a clip of this though <laughs> um but you know you get it's like oh let me just sense your energy it's like you have no idea you're not telepathic you know you're not empathic you're like it's you are and if i am if i'm skeptical of it you take it personally so this is not healthy for you you and are if they didn't take it personally there would be no problem with them saying it or with you being skeptical over it right it's and just I... the fact that they they want to make things off bounds that's what makes it dangerous right you're not allowed to have a thought about a thought you're literally not allowing me to translate your bible and <laughs> <laughs> or well we get that with the new age religions all the um all the uh the reiki and you know energy stuff and all the holistic medicine stuff yeah. which is absolutely just well energy is real so it must be healing yeah oh we use what? frequencies for this what <laughs> well the, yeah. oh my chakras it's like no that's not how the body works we've gone inside and looked at how it works we still have a lot of questions but yeah um or and then you get stuff like um but you can affect your physiology by chasing dharmas and chakras and stuff but it's not because of energy meridians and stuff like that you know right. what i mean it's because there is a different mechanism of action so it's important to be skeptical without being dismissive right because like if you actually look at something if we go back to someone like jordan b peterson a lot of what he describes when you say like find something to devote your life to like give give yourself some meaning in life that's just dharma 
mm-hmm. <laughs> except it's not enforced by the gods. You're giving your own, you're giving yourself a dharma, which gives you purpose and meaning in your life. So when you translate that Bible, you find out that it is, uh, when you translate the, you know, um, the, the, the Hindu or the Buddhist text, you find analogs in other texts, which means there's elements of truth there. <laughs> and yeah. when you translate something and it's it doesn't flow with anything else it doesn't jive there's nothing there's no analogs there's no you know uh parallel wisdom uh anywhere else it's probably like you see that a lot with the postmodernist uh religion where um you know ethno minorities are sacred uh based on like nothing and if you challenge them oh you just don't understand because you are part of the problem and they just they 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 cap it off they're not you're not allowed to uh say you're not allowed to have you you're not allowed to say anything on a on a group that you're not part of you know destroying any diversity so it's it's inherently their metaphysic is inherently uh destructive and yeah. it doesn't lead anywhere. And so you go to someone, something like Buddhism, and you're like, "There's there's stuff here I need. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take this book. I'm also gonna take this book, and I'm going to get the lessons in here." And then you start learning parallel lessons, and then you put it into your own words, and then that's part of the religious experience. You're allowed to have that religious skepticism, which is a lot of what you can do in like that's what you're supposed to be able to do at university i really did that's what they're supposed to actually be teaching in my opinion i mean the stuff is just because you need to know stuff but like the process of learning stuff should be the the focus of university yeah you need to learn the information of the concepts before you can start putting them together into little lego pieces yeah and before they let you out in the world though where you have to like resource for yourself you're you're in a situation and an environment that teaches you how to be resourceful for yourself. Like part of the process of education, in my opinion, is teaching people how to educate themselves, Mm. the value of it and why they should have core values and why they should be skeptical and why they should have a a method of science rather than just believe in whatever scientific paper gets published. Yeah. What is that David Foster Wallace uh, address that he gave in like the nineties, which perfectly exemplifies that where he says you're not coming here to learn how to think you're at university you must already know how to think you're coming in here to choose what to think about and that's a harder question and i think that's part of learning too yeah it is that's the wisdom of it and he he just puts it so well because he's like he was a better author than most other authors (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah, I, I think that when I think of religious skepticism, that's kind of what I think of. You get that dogmatic, uh, you know, stamp of heresy on your forehead, and it's like, hmm, I think I'm in a bad system. I think this religion is, uh, I think it's a bit made up. <laughs> I don't think it has any basis in reality. And that's, I know we like to joke about religion in our society as something that's just like oh it's not real but of course it's not well okay yeah neither is politics neither is wrestling neither is sports (laughs) like there's corruption in every single thing that humanity touches it's not even corruption it's the fact that religion does have basis in reality when it's done right there is 
elements of it that hold basis, that hold truth in it that we can use to engage with reality more effectively. I'm now like pretty much, this is like- yeah, What I mean by corruption thing. is misappropriated or, or taken yeah. or interpretations or whatever, or leading people from, from those well, doctrines. Well, actually, let's go to wrestling because- <laughs> Not like real wrestling, which is no, just, no, the fake TV which is kind of let's call that objectivity. Now, fake TV wrestling, I understand why people like it. I have no idea why people like it. Okay, it is a simple uh, story. It follows. It uses uh, story and conflict, and I'm gonna beat you up because I'm a winner. I'm right. gonna beat you up because I'm a winner. But it almost it almost right. No, well, it's 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 no better than Dragon Ball Z essentially. But oh, it's way worse than Dragon Ball Z. Oh, I know, <laughs> but it's theater essentially. It's epic. It is, theater, yeah. it is epic theater. And when you treat it like that, and then you stop being cynical about it. To me, which, it's like a brothel theater, though. It's trash theater. Oh, of course. There's it no is. poetry to it. There's no music to it. There, oh, there's the music. The only art form is throwing people around, and that's like ballet. But you got a bunch of guys it's, dressed in tidy whities greased up on steroids throwing each other around for ballet. It's not really that appealing. Right. Well, we, I, I, I can't get into it. I'm not. No, I'm not saying you're into it. I'm no, just saying no. I don't get it. No. There, there is Shakespeare out there that you could read. Like, I, I feel are, like you could do real. the WWE could take a bunch of their characters and adapt Shakespeare for wrestling. And that I, would probably sell. I would watch Mercutio. No. And it would, breaker. but like they do it within the medium of wrestling with the aesthetic. Don't change anything. Like do the story, yeah. but and I think that's the thing. But, but instead the, of sword fighting and stuff, you throw them off the top rung and hit them with a chair. Boom. And then you see Lady Macbeth be like, kill him, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and he'd be like, no, I cannot but See, kill. that at least I'd understand because then you'd be applying some form of ingenuity to it. Right. Like to me, it's really Cretan and simple and Neanderthal-ish to, to just be a grunt that's mad and angry and wants to hurt people. There is. And stick them in a ring with other grunts that are mad and angry and want to hurt people. Right. But the fact is that people understand that to some extent. And um, it's also fun. Now, here's the other thing about it is that wrestling is fun for the people wrestling. Yeah, totally. Playing, playing out their character, being like, oh, "I'm gonna beat you up." It's 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 yeah, fun. Jumping around on the bouncy mat, and yeah, there, I could, there's a bit I of art to that. it. But um, and I think okay, I wanted to bring it back. That was this is that was fun. But um, wrestling as an element of truth to it. But if you take it, no, sorry, what I was gonna say, it does have that. But one of the things is that if you go around saying, "Well, wrestling's fake. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's fake," well. You're you wrestling atheist, but if you're going to be a wrestling fundamentalist, you are going to go around being like, no, like this is real. It's got like, don't mean they can't handle criticism of like, if you say, you know, this is, and they like pay way too much attention to the, the canon of the long storyline and the lore. And if you say anything bad about it, they can't handle it. And these are the two extremes. Whereas the healthy way to absorb wrestling would just be to be like, yes. It's not real wrestling. They're not actually beating the living tar out of each other. Although it does look like sometimes they don't do it quite right and do get hurt. But um, the the thing about it is, is that I don't. You wouldn't enjoy it 
because it's just because it's authentic and real and you know real wrestling is real it's like no hbo is fake and everybody watches hbo right so we it's that denial of the fakeness though that bothers me mm -hmm. i mean we're the and, people who can't be skeptical about things they enjoy, whether it's religion or wrestling or politics, like the people who can't be skeptical about their own opinions and pre-existing beliefs, that to me just screams cognitive dissidence. It does. Like if you're if you're right, there's no harm in questioning it. And if you're not sure that you're right, that's all the more reason to question it. Right. That's the function of skepticism. I like this thing. And if anyone criticizes it, yeah, like you get that with like Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. And no, like, that's just fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know. If you don't like this movie of Star Trek, then that means this. And this is like, dude, you need to chill. Yeah. That's, you're missing the point because you are now being a religious, uh, you know, fanatic fanatic you are denying me my skepticism of your religion uh and based now, on nothing and you're and the thing is that we can critique stuff and it's almost become too fun and too everyone's thinking they're self a critic but it's part of what we do in our society though mm. that's part of intelligence i think it would be a sign of lack of intelligence if nobody criticized or questioned things I, I don't think it would be possible for an intelligent species to not question things because right. you wouldn't ever get more intelligent by stopping questioning. Right. Which is why we always kind of, we're, we're smart enough as, or we're almost evolved to be like, hmm, something's wrong yeah. here. I'm the gonna, shifty eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, hmm, there's not enough food. What can I do about it? Or, uh, hmm, maybe the chief is not the best leader. I should, uh, I, but I'm Maybe not the eight-year-old shouldn't be in charge of the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's bloodline, but really, he's kind of eight. <laughs> yeah. He's got a good bloodline, but he doesn't actually seem very sanguine. Oh, there he goes. Uh, nice yeah. pun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, think. Uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm about ready to wrap up. My body is about to give way. Did you uh, have any final final thoughts or criticisms? <laughs> mm, I don't think I'm too skeptical. I, I think I like what we did. I'll let the I'll let the uh, the viewers be take the skepticism from here and uh, yes, let the pillory begin. Yes, <laughs> please only fresh fruit and vegetables. <laughs> um, Our goal is to one day get on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Yeah, we should do like a whole thing and publish it as an anyway, I don't know. Oh yeah, as I, a movie. Yeah. Hey, if Blair Witch can make a movie, then for sure we could have like the podcast, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think uh it's probably good for today. It's yeah, uh, thanks good everyone to be back. for watching. Uh if you want the audio only version, we got an RSS feed that you can check out. Uh links in the description. And I hope you like the clips and the new intro. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all the, the housekeeping we got. We got that through in 15 seconds. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you, everyone. Like, uh, share, and subscribe. Ciao. Ciao.